0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: All right, ready to get after it again. Another Sal Sports & Stuff pod, another Draft Week pod. We are, what, about 56, 57 hours away from the first round opening up, opening night of Thursday night's NFL Draft in Cleveland. It's exciting, right? I mean... All these different rumors, which we have to get to today on the pod. Not only with the top of the draft, like there have been, but now suddenly with the Buffalo Bills, that's first and foremost. So want to thank everybody for coming along as always downloading, subscribing, please subscribe, throw a like, throw a nice review. That always helps. If you're not like downloading, you're just listening live. Is that streaming? Do we still stream? I'm not sure. Is streaming a word we still use? I think that went out a long time ago, but then again, I thought that I think my son uses that word. He's seven years old. He plays Fortnite. It's crazy, like he's playing Fortnite or um, Battle battle something. It's a soccer ball and a car and all that. I can't remember what it's called. But um, he like plays the game, especially Fortnite, or even Minecraft does that too. And it's on his Switch, but at the same time, he has his iPad next to him, and he's watching other people play games and talking. And it's not even the same game sometimes, or the part of the game. It's not like they're giving him instructions on what to do exactly during that particular Point of his game, he's just got like maybe left brain right brain thing going on, processing it all up there, and he's playing on one, he's watching on the other. I mean, you talk about multitasking; we do this all the time in our adult lives, and he's doing that for sure. So I don't know. He does use the word streaming, though. I think sometimes, so I think we can still stream, and you can stream the podcast. But if you go and subscribe, that would really help out, and I'd really appreciate it. And thanks to all who who have um, over the last you know a little while, last several weeks, and. We got onto the iTunes charts. And as you know, if you've been listening to me for several years, I've always been, come on, let's get on the iTunes charts. We were there. We're also on Spotify and, of course, WGR550.com, Odyssey app, however you want to listen. Thank you very much, seriously. And thank you to John Scott for joining me on yesterday's pod. In case you missed it, very interesting. John and I, what we did, John's from Spectrum News. I do some TV work with him during the football season. John and I mocked the first round twice. And what we did was we did alternating picks both times, but we started with, and the first one with me as Jacksonville and I had picks one, three, five, seven, nine, and so on. And on the second mock, he started with Jacksonville with picks one, three, five, seven, nine, and so on. So we basically were able to look and see how the board fell differently, depending on how each of us saw what those teams were going to do in those spots. So it's pretty cool. Go check it out. And on top of us doing the podcast like that, right here. We did uh, a video show. It was all on video. And you can find that on my YouTube channel, my YouTube channel. It's not sales sports. I created it a long time ago. It's coach Sal C, I believe on YouTube, but you can find a link to the show on my Twitter feed at Sal sports. But we did the video show of it with the podcast. So we have the audio, we have the video in any way that you want to listen to. Thank you very much to John Scott, who by the way is from, well, he's not, I don't think he's actually from Cleveland. He's from nearby. He went to Dayton, but he's a big Cleveland guy. He loves Cleveland sports. So we were talking a little bit about me going to the, uh, the Indians-Yankees game this past weekend. And I haven't spent a lot of time like on it, but I'm not going to here. I know you want to get into draft stuff. I just got to say, though, even as a Yankees fan, Cleveland's a great city. Progressive Field is a really cool ballpark. And if you want to go catch a ball game, if you have any kids, I'm just recommending you right now, go to Progressive Field. Now, Normally they have a great kids zone. It is not open right now, but it is super awesome. There's a playground in there, a lot to do. You can grab a hot dog and a drink and literally just walk out and sit right outside the kids zone, but keep it in mind for future reference. But even now during the pandemic here, and as we go forward and get out of it, it it was only 30% capacity. We found $25 standing room only tickets in right field, but there's hardly anybody there. So you're standing there near. Like, oh, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of elbow room. And we got there early enough, and not super early, like when the gates opened a little after. And I got to sit and stand, I should say, with Max and my wife um, in the first row of right field, like right at the wall. And it was awesome. And here's my son, Max, wearing an Aaron Judge jersey. And he's got Aaron Judge right in front of him in right field. So, yeah, it was super cool. And I'm just recommending it. If you're looking for something to do, Buffalo is awesome because it's such a, an easy trip anywhere you want to go. Cleveland, Cincy, Philly, Boston, you know, Washington, uh, Baltimore. It's not that far, even Pittsburgh. So yeah, try it out. If you haven't gone to progressive field, they do a great job there for the kids, for the family. It's a really good ballpark. It's a nice drive from Buffalo. It's all interstate. It's three hours. So check that out. We went to the Christmas story house. We talked about that as well uh, on the show. So thanks a lot to John Scott uh, for coming on yesterday when we did the mock draft, the dual mock, two mocks, mock squared on the pod Today, I want to talk about two things. Number one, this trade-up scenario for the Bills that Todd McShay said that he's hearing and maybe targeting Travis Etienne. And we're also going to talk about the draft value chart a little bit and how I want to weave that into, you know, kind of drafting these days and how you have to put it into its own bucket in a little nuance there, if you will. So let's start, though, with the trade-up. And this is all ties together, by the way. This is why I'm saying this. Let's start with a trade-up that Todd McShay said. So Todd McShay, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, goes on Ryan Russillo's podcast. I love Russillo's podcast. He's really good. Um, I enjoy listening to him. Russillo has his own podcast. It's on Spotify. He used to be on ESPN. Obviously, used to be with Van Pelt you know, on radio. And he had McShay on. And McShay says, and you can find this audio. I, I posted the audio on my Twitter feed and at our website, WGR550.com. He says on the pod that the buzz is right now that he's hearing that the Bills are trying to move up in the draft to get ahead of the Jets at 23, Jacksonville, it would be the Jets at 23, Pittsburgh at 24, Jacksonville Jaguars at 25. So to get to 22 or higher in order, because these are the teams they think would take, the guy that they would be targeting, which he says is Clemson running back Travis Etienne. Wow, did the fire alarms go off. Bill's Mafia was hot and alert, and some people are totally down with it, and some people are really mad. Who knows what's true, what's not true? I don't know. It is smokescreen season. We don't know. One of the common themes I get here is, why would anybody, why would Brandon Bean tell anybody who he's going up to get? How would anyone know that? And I agree with that, first of all, that Brandon Bean's not going to say, hey, we want to trade up to 22 or 21. We want to get the Clemson running back. He's not going to tell that, to the Titans at 22 or to the Colts at 21. But what I think does happen in these scenarios is Brandon Bean makes a couple phone calls or the teams at 23, 24, 25 call him. I mean, I don't know and how much are, well, I shouldn't say the teams at 23, 24, 25. The teams above them are calling him because I don't think the Jets and the Bills are doing business, you know, where they sit. But you get Chicago at 20 or the Colts at 21 or Tennessee at 22. Maybe they call the Bills. Maybe Brandon Bean calls them. Everybody calls everybody. They do. This is how it works. GMs will tell you, you do your due diligence. There's a couple reasons you do your due diligence, which is A, you might actually be interested in doing it, like moving somewhere, and you want to know what the cost is. But B, just so you can basically have your board set, so you can have your values set and say, hey, if this were to happen, how much would it cost us? You get kind of an idea and a feel for what teams are thinking, right? So, you make make sure that you kind of cover all the bases, if you will. So I think what happens in a situation like this is Brandon Bean at 30 picks up the phone and he calls the Tennessee Titans at 22, let's say, or the Colts at 21. He goes, hey, um, what would it cost theoretically for us to move up to your spot? And then they're like, well, you know, it'd probably cost you a third rounder, a second rounder, or something like that, whatever they say. He says, okay. He's not going to tell them who they're taking, but then someone in that organization, Todd McShay is talking to someone with the Colts or the Titans. They're like, hey, you know who called us? The Bills called us. He might. They might give him a lot of information and say, we talked to A, B, and C, but someone says, you know who called us? Brandon Bean called us for the Bills. Todd says, oh, really? Like, what do you think? And then that person might simply guess. They might make a judgment and say, yeah, I think he might be you know, moving up for ETN. Like, who else could it be? Like, we, we really think they need a running back. This is how this stuff goes. And... I don't blame Todd McShay for reporting it, even if it gets that way. Some of you may say, well, that's irresponsible. It's not irresponsible when it comes to this season. He's saying, this is what I'm hearing. Because if someone in an organization says, I think this is what they're doing, then this is what he's hearing. And this is what happens this time of year. This is what makes the draft so fun. This is what happens this week especially. It's okay. I don't mind at all. Now, that's one part of it, right? The other part of it is the actual trade. And if the Bills are willing to do it and want to do it. I just find it hard to believe as I sit here today, two days before the draft, as smart as Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are and have been and, you know, building their team and where they are, that they really believe that trading up nine or 10 spots, let's say eight, nine, 10 spots for a running back is something that's in their best interest. Now, maybe they can do it in a way that doesn't cost this cost them all this draft capital, which again, I'll get to in a second on the draft value chart and how that factors in. You know, I heard somebody talk about what if you swap spots with, let's say, the Colts. I see. Are you going to give the Colts? You're not going to give the Colts Devin Singletary, right? Um, Or the Steelers, let's say, because the, the Jets don't take ETN and you go up with the Steelers. You give them Singletary, who need a running back. And then you just swap spots. I think most Bills fans, many, would be much more okay with that than it would be simply for trading the actual draft capital. Because they're... There seems to be this hard and fast rule by a lot of people. You don't ever take a running back in the first round. You certainly don't ever trade up for a running back in the first round. Now I've kind of believed the first part of that for a while. Don't take a running back in the first round, but it really is nuanced, which is, well, I wouldn't take one really high. I wouldn't take one in the top 15, maybe even top 20. I think once you get to the back end of the first round and your roster is good and you're in a position like the bills where you're building and you have built, I should say. You're close to a Super Bowl. You're in that window. If you feel that's a guy that's going to get you over the hump, by all means, do it. What I'm much more against is paying the running back, paying the big contract, giving the piece of the pie of your salary cap to the running back versus the quarterback or an edge rusher or a corner or something like that. But let's remember, we live in a, a world now with a rookie salary cap, if you will, a, um, a, sl- a slotted contracts, basically. For the first three years at least, and actually four, but really for the first three because that's when they can start to renegotiate, rookie contracts, players who enter the league, they're fixed, they're set, and they're not that expensive. And even in year four, it's not that expensive, but you can now start to extend them. It's rare, but so for four years, you could still get a guy pretty cheap. You can use up a running back. You can draft him in that round. To me, it's not in the first round. It's not about necessarily using a first round asset and why this is so bad, it's Don't really pay the guy big money. But if you feel that this is the one player that gets you over the hump and that's the position, then by all means, I think Brandon Bean or anybody should do that. They're trying to win a Super Bowl. That's what they're trying to do. Now, I am not going to sit here and tell you, oh my gosh, go get Travis Etienne if that's the one guy to trade eight spots. But again, I think Brandon Bean has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt. And If he feels this guy is that special, then maybe he should do it. It would make me go, hmm, and question, you know, what are you doing? Value, is the position value really there? Um, this is a position you should not make this kind of move for, but if they love this player that much to go up and do that, they must have serious conviction about it. They're not just doing it to do it right. They must believe this is the player that's going to help us beat the Kansas city chiefs and win the next super bowl or whatever super bowl is coming up. So I think there's a lot of ways and nuance that you can talk about it. You can't, what you can't do to me is simply look at it as numbers of a value chart, because That's what people like to do when it comes to trading. Look at the old Jimmy Johnson chart or whatever draft value chart. Now it's funny when I was doing a little research for this pod to talk about it, I started thinking about the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart. And then I kind of realized there's probably a lot of my audience listening right now who they know what that is, but kind of don't remember it. Maybe you don't, fully understand or know what it is. I think they most people listening to this probably understand there's a draft value chart. But when people refer to the Jimmy Johnson chart, there might be some younger people who don't know. Jimmy Johnson, who you see on TV, was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys back in the day. He won a couple Super Bowls. He was, he was very good at building a team. And what he did was he created, basically, the, the original draft value chart, which is every single draft choice has a value number attached to it. So when you look to trade, you say, well, let's add this to this to try and get equal value. And it's very, very rarely going to be actual equal value when you trade with whatever team you're trading for, whether that's up or down. But that's how, that's why we refer to the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart because in the late 80s, early 90s, when he was coaching the Dallas Cowboys, he came up with it. He also famously traded Herschel Walker for a whole bunch of draft picks and really helped him build his Super Bowl teams in Dallas. But since that draft chart has come out, There have been many other draft charts. There have been people, websites, smart people who've put together much different draft value charts, and you have to. Let's think about how the league has changed since the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, we didn't even have free agency in the late 80s. We had something called Plan B in the early 90s. I don't even think it was in the late 80s. Does anybody out there listening remember Plan B free agency? Because Plan A clearly didn't work, I guess, back then. Plan B basically was you got to protect a certain amount of players on your team. I think the ones that had contracts expiring and then others you couldn't and they became free agents or you had a right to match. It was I mean, I was young. It was weird. It was called Plan B. It really limited movement of players. Players for a long time couldn't move. They couldn't go to other teams. Reggie White. Defensive end of the Philadelphia Eagles then sues the league along with other players for unlimited free agency. They get it. They win. Reggie White goes to the Green Bay Packers. Eventually, the league goes to complete free agency, as we know today, right? That, in itself, I think, kind of changes a little bit of the draft value chart because now there's different ways to build your team. But I think what really changes the draft value chart is what I just talked about. 2011, the rookie wage scale comes in. 2011, they fix prices to what contracts players can get. You're no longer paying you know, $100 million or close to it for a top-five quarterback that's drafted. It doesn't matter what position the player is. If he's drafted two or three or four or five, it's set. We know what we're paying this guy, and it's a lot lower than it ever used to be. The rookies are not making nearly the money they used to make. Go look up. I believe Sam Bradford, maybe Stafford, I think Sam Bradford was the last guy to get like the top money for a rookie coming into this league before this changed and go look at what he signed for versus what everybody who came after him signed for drafted first overall. It's just different. It has to change the value. The values of these draft picks are much different based on the cost that it had to to bring them in. And on top of that, another reason why the draft value chart has changed, you know, there's been so many trades for the last 30 years that people basically look and say, oh, well, this is what this went for. If You you go by precedent, basically. You go by what teams have been trading for in the past. And then, you know, football, just the positions, certain positions, edge, corner, left tackle. A middle linebacker is not as valuable today, I would say, than it was in the late 80s, early 90s. Maybe you could argue that point, but I just don't think it is. Um, a shutdown corner, I guess, if you will. Um, It's always been valuable, but an edge rusher today in a 4-3 or a 3-4 and different systems and things like that, edge rusher might be like the second most valuable position on a football field. And again, I don't think running back is nearly as valuable today than it used to be. So the draft value chart changes because the value of players change. The value of positions has changed. Certain ways the game is played and, and, and how football is structured how you pay players has changed. So when we talk about are the Bills going to trade up? Should they trade up? What would it cost? You can't just simply blanket say, well this is what it should cost. And I think what's happening lately is and I've noticed this with some of the debates and people in talking, you know, online or whatever discussions I should say, not even debates, that some people are so beholden to a type of value on a pick. Look, the at the end of the draft People grade it, right? They say, oh, this team got an A or a B or C. And I don't even like doing that. I don't do that necessarily. I mean, unless my boss tells me I got to write an article for it. But people do that. And that's just for fun. But the point is, at the end of the draft, they do not hand out awards for what team worked the value chart the best. That is not the point of the draft. The point of the draft is not to get maximum value with every pick, even though you want to do that. I mean, and with every trade, even, even though you want to do that, of course, that's the goal. You want to maximize your value with every pick. You want to maximize your value with every player, all of that, but the players matter. The players matter who you have ranked ahead of somebody. And if he starts falling suddenly the 15th or 16th or 30th pick in the bills case becomes a much more valuable pick to them than it would be to someone else or much more valuable to someone else than it would be for them. So what I'm saying is again, let's go back to Travis Etienne. If the bills have Travis Etienne as let's say, and I I don't, I doubt they would have this, but let's say they have him as the fifth highest rated player on their entire board. And he's sitting there at 20. Okay. The Jimmy Johnson draft value chart. Let me just pull this up right now. I think this is the Jimmy Johnson one. I have two of them sitting here, but so let's just say the Jimmy Johnson draft value chart has the fifth pick in the draft as worth 1700 points. Okay. Um, so let's just say you're assigning, well, that would then be where we would value Travis Etienne as around a 1,700 point player, if you will, if you're just assigning it like that. All of a sudden, you get down to the 20s where that particular spot is 850 for Chicago, 24 is 740 for Pittsburgh, 30 for the Bills. They hold 620. Well, the Bills are sitting there and they're going, wait a minute. The guy we had the ranked fifth overall has fallen down the board so much, essentially, he's kind of like a 1700 point player where we have him ranked overall no and I know that's not how they do it we're talking about positions but that is very juicy to us we we love this player in that spot and we're getting a player we have very highly ranked at a spot where we're only getting 620 points for our value so if the bills feel hey you know what we like this player so much we're willing to give up our second rounder let's add that for a second so let's say they get to 22. All right, is that where it'd be? Yeah, Um, Tennessee at 22. Right before the Jets at 23 like we talked about. So, Tennessee is at 22. They're at a 780, right? The Bills are at a 620. So, according to the chart, without factoring in players here, um, the Bills have 620. Their next one is 292. That would get them almost 3... So, what? We're talking now 912 or something like that, right? 912. If they... Did the first and the second for 780, you'd say, no, you don't do that. That's way too much to give up. But again, I think the, the point I'm trying to make to you here is, but the Bills value that pick where the Tennessee Titans are much more than what the value chart says at 780. So they may want to do that. I'm not making the case for the Bills to make this trade, by the way. All I'm telling you is you cannot simply go by what the draft value chart says, Jimmy Johnson's, or any other value chart Because values are different to teams. Yes, you want to be able to kind of get, you know, massage it to get it to where it seems pretty even. You don't want to walk away and have everybody in the media and fans going, oh my God, look at the value chart. You got completely fleeced. But it's so hard to get it even anyway. And you have to assign the values according to what you think is best for your team. And there's going to be 32 different values, basically. 32 different boards on all of these players. So I I just want to kind of, Make sure that people know that when, if the bills were to trade up or down or anything, we can't simply go to a value chart and say, oh, well, you know what? They got ripped off or they completely ripped the team off. Every pick is different for every team and every player. Let's go back to Josh Allen's draft. All right. Josh Allen gets taken seventh overall. It basically, that was, that's the 1500 spot. The bills moved into the 1500, uh, 1500. That's what that is worth. The bills move into the 1500 spot. The Bills would have given up a lot more no, if they would have known, if any team, any team, let's say not even the Bills, if any team on draft day, April 26, 2018, knew what Josh Allen would become just three years later and they could put that on his team, you think they're not going to give up more than what the draft value chart says? Of course they are. So if you project that player to be that player for you, if you think that player is your one player to win a Super Bowl, he's a he's going to be a great player in our organization for 10 years. You know, this guy, we're talking, you know, possibility to be borderline, you know, a wall of fame or a hall of fame or something like that. I mean, we're, I'm getting a little hyperbolic here, but if you think that, then you have to be able and willing to give up more for that particular player. And if that's the case here, and maybe that's why the bills are looking to trade up because they see the way that the board is falling. They have a few guys and go, you know what? We have a guy really valued high. We don't think a lot of other teams might. He might be there at 22. It doesn't have to be Travis Etienne, by the way. So finally, I want to wrap up with who else could it be for? Let's just say the bills really are trying to move up to 22, to 21, to 20, somewhere in there, which is a big move. And remember, I wrote about it, WGR550.com, trade up, trade down, stay, trade or stay, it's called. There's an article I wrote about it. I did a podcast on it. I did the math, not according to the value chart, according to precedent. What would it cost to move up? And what it, it came down to for me was basically every four or five spots cost you an extra round, starting with a fourth. You want to go to 20 from 30. You want to go to 27 or 26, fourth rounder, 25 or 24, or 23, at least a third rounder, maybe even more above 23, probably second rounder, maybe a third. And then even more than even more than what it would have been for the previous picks, maybe a second rounder plus, but we're talking a lot of draft capital. Just based on precedent. I'm not even talking about the draft value chart here, like I said. Back in 20, last year, the Packers actually did this twice. Two years in a row, the Packers had the 30th pick. How about this? Last year, the Packers moved from 30 to 26. Four spots. They gave up a fourth rounder. Now, they were going up to get a quarterback that can be different for teams, Jordan Love. They gave the Miami Dolphins a fourth rounder just to move from 30 to 26. The year before that, they were also picking 30th. They moved up to 21. Big jump. Nine spots. They gave up two fourth rounders, which to me actually might be even a little bit light. But two fourth rounders. So, like I said, starts with a fourth and then some. I think that might even be a little bit light. The Seattle Seahawks moved back from 30 that same year. They went from 30 to 37. Just seven spots back. The Giants came up into 30. Seattle got from the Giants a fourth and a fifth. So the Giants go from 37 to 30, give up a fourth and a fifth. I think that's my preferred model based on how the board has been falling and all these different mocks that I've been doing around the country and for, you know, um different radio stations and outlets and things like that. So that's kind of what I want to wrap up with like I said, which is, you know, who is going to be there and let's just say the Bills really are trying to move up. Is it possible it's for another player? I think it could be. Who would be those players? To me, there's only a select few players that I think could match what I think the Bills would be looking for and the value of them. And the only two positions I think they could really be looking for that might be available there with a player that's falling there. It's got to be the certain set of circumstances to match up here. A player falling at a certain position that they really, you know, kind of think they can put on their team right now to help them. If you're going to make that move, I think you kind of have to have that. This isn't a move you make for 2022 or beyond. You got to have a guy that you could put on your team now. So it's got to be in a more need position, if you will. And it's got to be a guy that you think could fall that has that type of value for you. And the only two positions I think that can come into play for the bills are corner and edge defensive end. And I'm not sure though, if any of the corners that I think that are going to go soon would be there. I think, I think there's a chance. I really like Greg Newsom, the corner out of Northwestern. I like him a lot for the bills. I think that's a player they could trade up just a few spots for because all these mocks that I do, um, he seems to go right around 25, 26, maybe 29 even, um, all the way down, between there basically. So maybe that's a player they'd be willing to move up, but not all the way up. You don't have to go up to there to get Greg Newsome to me. To go up to there, you'd have to have, to me, a guy like J.C. Horn fall or a guy like Patrick Sertan fall, Caleb Farley if they're clear on the medicals. A guy like that would have to fall, and maybe it's possible. I don't know if Asante Samuel would be worth that. Maybe the Bills like him that much. Uh, Sean McDermott did coach his father uh, when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles back in the day. I think you could stay at 30. You certainly don't have to get to 22 or 21, I think, for Samuel. But I think the only guys that I could see that maybe the Bills would want to move up to that spot for would be Farley, Sertan, Horn. A little bit less maybe for Newsom. Those are the corners, all right? Now, Edge. This is where it becomes interesting because Edge has such a, the, the defensive ends. I say edge, defensive end. You guys know what I mean. Um, Bills run a 4-3, not a 3-4. Some are edge because they're 3-4 outside linebackers who rush off the edge. And some, like the Bills players, are 4-3 defensive ends who are edge rushers. So, or it's, and even setters. How do we, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this position. When we get down to 10, I think in almost every mock that I've done, no edge player goes before 10 or 11. None. But then they all start to fall Between like 10, 11 to maybe 17, 18. And there's a big run on them. So what if one of these guys starts to fall? That's where I think it becomes interesting. Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Ojolari from Georgia. Like him a lot. Jalen Phillips. mm, Not the kind of guy I think the Bills would go after because there's so many questions. But he's super talented. But had the concussions. Uh, He retired from football because of that. Uh, wanted to go into a music career that just doesn't seem like the kind of guy I think the Bills would want to get in on. Um, his teammate at Miami, Greg Rousseau, uh, I don't think his tape is all as great. It's not nearly as good as Jalen Phillips. I'll tell you that. Jason Owe. Oh, uh, that's a tools guy. That's a guy you do take to develop. Is are any of these guys to me? It would have to be Pay or Ojulari Ogil- really to fall that far. And maybe, maybe the Bills feel quitty Pay or Ojolari, these Ojolari are falling so far that maybe their value on them is so high and they fit that neat position that they'd want to go up to 21 or 22 to get them. But again, as McShay said, they're trying to get above the Jets, the Steelers, and the Jags. And that would suggest, and his suggestion was for Travis Etienne because that's where he could go. However, I could make the argument the Jets need the same things. The Jets need a lot. They could easily go for an edge rusher. They could easily go for a corner. They certainly need corner. So maybe the Bills want to get one of those guys before the Jets get their hand on them. The Steelers, eh, I mean, they have obviously T.J. Watt. They lost Bud Dupree. They could use secondary help. So maybe that's something that they think they have to go after because it seems like to me, and by the way, the Jets, they do need a running back. I, In fact, I'm in the middle of my um, final mock that I'm doing, and I'm stuck on the Jets. Like, what do they do? Uh, they could go ETN. They could go Harris. The Steelers could do that. I don't know. Do the, do the Jags really need a running back with... Robinson, it doesn't seem like it. Maybe they want to do it, go in a different direction because Urban Meyer's offense, um, you know, maybe they want ETN to pair with his college teammate and Trevor Lawrence, so that would make sense. But, so I guess where I'm finally landing, and by the way, I didn't include linebackers because I I just don't think the Bills are going to draft a linebacker unless they really are sour on, you know, keeping Tremaine Edmonds around long-term. I love some of these linebackers in the draft. There's no doubt about it. We're talking about Micah Parsons, uh, Owusa, uh Karamoa, sorry, from Notre Dame, uh, Zaven Collins from Tulsa. I love these guys. I think they're really good football players, and you put them on your team, you're going to be helped. But that has to be with a willingness to say, we just don't want Tremaine Edmonds around after this year. I can't see it because they're not running three linebackers out on the field. Maybe every once in a while, maybe even more than they have the last few years, but not enough to justify that. Not enough to justify, A, a trade up into the first round, and B, maybe even a, as a first-round pick. That's why I have not you know, uh, basically talked about him, them, uh, any of those guys here as we discuss this. So to me, it's gotta be, I I would guess if the bills were going to do this, it would have to be either for a running back, a corner or an edge. I don't think it'd be for linebacker. I can't see it being for one of the wide receivers because you could let the board fall to you and still get a wide receiver. Basically to me, chase Smith waddle. And now I think Elijah Moore, all going to be gone. Elijah Moore seems to be the fourth guy off in most of the latest mocks and the way people are talking. Um, so that would still leave possibly, possibly Kadarius Tony. I know he's a slot guy, Terrace Marshall, good player from LSU, Rashad Bateman, who I like a lot and can play right away. Like, I don't think Rondale Moore, you don't have to move up to get a wide receiver in this draft class that maybe some, unless you fall in love again, we don't know the variable of, did they fall in love with somebody, right? If, if they fell in love with Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds and they went up and got him, and One has completely worked out and one, maybe the jury's still out, but he certainly hasn't been a bust in Tremaine Edmonds. And we're sitting here talking about, are they going to keep him and move on from him? I guess that's not a great thing to talk about when you draft the guy 16th overall, but he's also only turning 23 years old in like a week. But that's a discussion for a different day. The point I'm making is there are only a select few people and it's got to be a certain set of circumstances for the Bills really to me to be willing to move up in this draft and give up what it would cost to move up. And that has to be the right corner or the right defensive end. That's it to me. If they fall in love with somebody else at another position and just want to make sure they get them, then, hey, that's what they do. It just seems to me that that would be a little tough given how this board is falling, given what it would cost to get there and given the state of their roster and how that player would play or not play right away on a ready-made team that's trying to win a Super Bowl and there's not many spots available and you don't make that move. I think for a guy, that's a project or a guy that you are banking on a couple of years down the road. That's just how I see this whole thing playing out, but it is fun. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out before Thursday night. All right. I'll be on WGR 550 all week morning, afternoon, different times, you know, so tune in there. Obviously we have full coverage for you on WGR on Thursday draft day, draft night, Tune in. I'll be on social media at Cell sports. I promise you, I will not tip the bills pick or any pick. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to watch the draft unfold just like everybody else. We're not down in the media room. Like we have been in years past. We weren't last year either. Uh, I'll watch the draft. I'll be excited for, you know, the surprise of the pick. Sometimes I'll pick, I'll peek maybe to see, because I can kind of follow the same people you can, who will tell you who's being picked early. But I think that everyone's ruins the surprise a little bit, but once the pick comes for the Buffalo bills, We'll have full coverage for you, of course, at WGR550.com. And who knows when that's going to be? Could be 30th overall. Could be before that. Could be after that. I hope they trade down. I think that's the preferred model right now, but we'll see what they do. And by the way, when's that 30th pick going to take place? Uh, The last four years, it's gone from 1125 to 1140 to 1145 to 1155. Yeah, it's going to be a late night. You're going to be up almost to midnight waiting for the Bills. Take a nap if you want. Have somebody wake you up when the bills are on the clock, whenever that is. If that's at 10 or 15 or 22 or 30 or not at all. Maybe they trade out and you get to have a full night's sleep. I'm not really sure, but that would be the plan if you really don't want to care to watch anything else or stay up for it. All right. Thanks a lot again for listening, downloading, subscribing. You can always do that in the iTunes store, iTunes, Spotify, wgr550.com odyssey south sports and stuff i'll talk to you again
0: tomorrow okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road any road the steeper the better